So just to start off, um, because I talked so much about mindset and, you know, mental strength and those things, I just want to get your thoughts on it to begin with. Talk about mindset, mental strength, and not only the need for it, but how does someone go about increasing their mental strength and their mindset and creating a powerful mindset? That's a, that's a fantastic question. And I think the, the one thing that I've realized is both of those are just like a muscle. And what I mean by that is you can strengthen them, you can elongate them, you can stretch them. And I think it's something that people don't understand in regards to the value of putting time and effort into your mindset and your mental perspective, how you approach things, how you prepare for things. And I think the one thing I've realized over the last few years, just with my podcast, as well as my company is so many people spend so much time and effort really trying to improve themselves, their mental strength, their mental capacity, but, but more so how they go about doing things from a mental perspective, whether it's preparing for a sales meeting, whether it's preparing for a game, whether it's preparing for an opponent, or whether it's just preparing for your day. And I think the value of that, especially during this pandemic, people people underestimate the, the advantage you give yourself if you really put time and effort into it. And, and my analogy of a muscle is, is something that I think people don't realize. They say, well, you know, I'm not really that mentally strong or, you know, I don't really understand it. And, and I, I always flip the script and say, well, what about if you took 10 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day to really try to just make little improvements? And, and when you break things down, I think into bite-sized pieces, you reverse engineer something. That's when people all of a sudden adapt to it differently and say, well, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way. And I think if we could all kind of flip the script on it a little bit, I think we'd all realize that it's a muscle that we all can strengthen and improve if we focused on it. I completely agree with you. And it's like any muscle. If you just ignore it, it's going to atrophy. And, you know, when you put some folks into it, you can do some amazing things there. Now, one thing that you and I have talked a lot about is the concept of proximity is power. And, you know, the Jim Rohn quote, you're the average of the five people you spend, spend the most time with. So talk to me about that and then tell me, dead or alive, who would sit at your table? Yeah, you know, I think, as, as you know, we, we have spoken about uh, that concept and idea quite a bit. And, and I think we've all heard, seen that quote. We've all seen countless memes or social media posts in some way, shape or form about that. But take it a step further. And I, I know you've heard this, this analogy as well, is if you hang around with five millionaires, the thought process is you're going to be the sixth millionaire. If you hang around with five people that are out of shape, you're going to be the sixth person that's out of shape. The other idea that I don't think people understand enough is the concept of leveling up. And what I mean by that is if you're looking to improve or increase an area in your life, whether that's personal or professional, you need to get outside of your comfort zone. And, and what I mean by that is if you're hanging around people that are at your job and, and doing a good job with it and you want to go somewhere else or do something differently, you need to spend some time and effort with some of those people that are doing those things that you want to do or trying those things that you want to do. And I think in today's day and age, we don't focus on the importance of who we surround ourselves with. And the other perspective that I, I really have become fascinated with is the idea of mentors. And I think it goes hand in hand with that quote in the sense that if we were to 
go back 5, 10, 15 years ago, if there was somebody we wanted to connect with, we would have to go to an actual library or go to a bookstore and see if they had a book. And if not, you could order it or go online and see if if somebody was going to be doing a seminar and say, okay, they'll be here in you know seven months. Okay, I'm going to buy a ticket. In today's day and age with technology, you can have so many people mentor you and they can even be dead or alive. But whether it's videos, courses, podcasts, YouTube channels, online courses, certain books, ebooks, audiobooks, there's there's never been a more opportune time to take advantage of really surrounding yourself. So when I hear people that kind of push back on the concept and say, well, you know, I live in this place and there's not a lot going on. I always say, okay, well, is there an internet? Do you have a phone? Do you have a laptop? And I say, okay, do you have audiobooks? Yes. Podcasts are free. You know, oh yeah. So there's always, there's always the opportunity. The question is, is do you want to level up? And I, I think in today's day and age, there's such a huge opportunity to get such a wide range of, of information. And you can have people that mentor you that you maybe will never know that it never get a chance to meet in person. As I said, I've had, a tremendous amount of people that have mentored me, one of them being Jim Rohn. He's been dead for, for quite a few years now, never got a chance to see, see him or meet him live, but he's mentored me and he's had a, such a positive impact in my life. To answer your, your second question that I asked. And be, before you go there, yeah. let, me, let me put in a little bit that I stole this question from a previous podcast, which was yours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this was a question that you had asked me, and so I'm just throwing it back at you. What is it? Flattery is the, uh, the best form of, or what is the quote? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to preface my answer real quick. I also stole that question from somebody else. I tweaked it a little bit, but um, it wasn't asked with the Jim Rohn quote. I, I added that piece to it. But the question I, I asked uh, Jeff on my show is, if I could put you at a table with any five people dead or alive and you could learn or level up from them, who would it be and why? So my five, Abraham Lincoln, Michael Jordan, Elon Musk, I believe Oprah Winfrey, a mix between Andre Agassi or Rafael Nadal. Is that five or four? Five. And I got asked this before. The female would be, would be as did I say Oprah Winfrey yet? You said Oprah, yeah. All right, so Mike Jordan, Lincoln, oh Winston Churchill, excuse me. Awesome. And what's the relationship with Winston Churchill in your podcast? Winston Churchill is my great great grandfather. No, um, <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> I, had, I had you for a second. I saw if you guys see could see this. Is this audio? Or video? It's both. Oh, nice. Um, you were you were looking like really? Um, no, uh, Winston Churchill just has he's just a, a fascinating guy. And if, and if you've done some research on the odds that he overcame to to do what he did in, in different places in his life, it's it's he's an incredible person. And for me, I think just. I would love to not say anything at a dinner. I mean, I, I talk a lot. You ask my friends and my parents, I'm, I'm always talking nonstop, but I think that's one time in my life that I would just want to shut up and listen the entire time. And, you know, just cause we're talking about it, just share the name of your podcast as well. So people uh, can find that. I appreciate that. It's called no quit living and you can get it anywhere. You listen to podcasts. Okay. And I believe was it on your website that I actually saw under one of your things, one of the Winston Churchill quotes? Is that right? Yep. I have never, a, I have never, a never, never give up. He's, yeah. uh, he's in, and if, 
you can't see it, but the wall behind me to my left, I have three of those uh, plaques with never, never, never give up. And I think it's just uh, something that we need more so today than, uh, than ever. Exactly. So let's stay on that topic of mentorship for a minute. Um, because I, I agree, you do not have to have someone that's sitting right with you be your mentor. You know, I've always looked at Napoleon Hill as one of my mentors. Um, I want to hear how Michael Jordan's been your mentor, just because we both love talking about him. <laughs> he's, he's also my, uh, my, my grandfather as well. I his family. It's Winston Churchill on one side of the family and, and Michael Jordan. Um, how I got the five foot 11 white jeans of not being able to jump or play in the NBA. Um, that I stole that from Winston's. That's Churchill. Um, no, you know, <laughs> we had a really fascinating conversation about Michael Jordan and basketball, but the one commercial that has stood out, I believe so many fans of basketball, Michael Jordan, whether you're not a fan of Michael Jordan, but it's the, the commercial where he talks about, how many shots he took and how many shots he missed, how many times he had a chance to win the game at the buzzer and he missed. And then the bottom of that, of that uh, commercial right on the bottom at the end of it, he talks about, and that's why I am who I am today, or that's why I become the champion I am. And, and I think Michael Jordan is somebody that got cut by his varsity basketball team in high school. He was not a top recruited high school basketball player out of the state of North Carolina. He was obviously recruited, but not to the level of, of who he would become. He was drafted third, not even number one in his class. The trivia question, and I have to ask you, do you know who the number one and number two draft picks that year were? I did. Is it Ewing? Nope. No? Then no, I don't. Hakeem Olajuwon and Sam Bowie. Okay. I should have known Hakeem. I didn't know. Yeah, Sam. Sam Bowie was uh, was a, a big man out of Kentucky that got drafted before Jordan. No, it was either I think it might have been Clyde Drexler. I take I might take that back, but it's either it's either Akeem and Sam Bowie or Clyde Brex, Clyde Drexler and Sam Bowie. So I that's negative one point for me. But you fast forward his first couple of years in the league, he was an unbelievable scorer, but his team was was terrible. You know they always finished you know middle to the to the lower part of the Eastern Conference. And it wasn't until, you know, 1988, 1989, 1990, when he really took the Bulls to the level. But the thing that people don't understand about Jordan is it wasn't until he got some of those teammates, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Tony Kukoc, that really took his team to the next level. And one thing that Jordan talks about, and, and it, I give him credit for that, is if it wasn't for those, those teammates – the Bulls wouldn't have had that that level of success. Yes, he was a huge part of that, and the chance of without him or his teammates, you know, obviously they had a better chance because of him. But it wasn't until he really relied on his team, and it just says a lot about him. And and I've read a bunch of things about Michael Jordan, but the one thing that that I absolutely fell in love with is Michael Jordan, similar to Rafael Nadal and Kobe Bryant only had one level of, of playing. And I'm not talking about, you know, never lose. And, and I'm talking about, he always spoke about, he never knew if a child was going to come see him play. And that was the only time they'll ever get a chance to see him play. He said, I don't know if, you know, mother and father, you know, save up tickets for, for weeks or months on end. And he said, I always wanted 
to give my best effort every time I stepped on the court. And, and that hit me because he didn't talk about perfection. He didn't talk about never missing a shot. He didn't talk about being the greatest. He always spoke about giving his best effort each and every day. And I think that's something that we can all emulate. And I think it's something that we miss the boat on because if you give your best effort, then you should be able to put your head on the pillow and know that you gave your best effort. doesn't mean if you lose that you're happy and you jump up and down and celebrate. But if you really and truly can put your head down on the pillow at night and say, you know what, I really left everything out on the court or in that business meeting or with my spouse or kids and it wasn't the outcome I desired, but I can put my head on the pillow tonight and know that I really, I really left it all out there. That's awesome. And that, that's why someone like that can be a mentor because like you say, that doesn't have to be on the court. That can be in the boardroom. That can be the sales meeting, whatever. So yeah, yeah. thank you for that. Talk about what your thoughts are around how do you create confidence? You know, confidence is, is one of those things that I think is, is often overlooked about the importance. And I think it's also misinterpreted in the sense that you can't have it magically happen overnight, but you can have an impact on it every single day. And I think something that I talk about often is small wins lead to huge victories. And I know it sounds very cliche, but it's the same thing with confidence. It's hitting your first shot in a basketball game. Your confidence grows. And you you being a basketball guy yourself, you know that. If you make a sale in a business perspective, your confidence grows. But the flip side of it is, if you miss one or two sales in a row, your confidence goes down. If you miss your first two shots or your first three shots, you know, if you're a baseball player and you strike out your first at-bat in a game, your confidence diminishes, but you can increase it with little wins along the way. So let's say your next at bat in a baseball game, you don't get a hit, but you foul off two or three or four pitches or you crush the ball, but it goes right to, you know, the third baseman and you get out. The confidence was, okay, I struck out the first time. Now I saw the ball a little better in the next at bat and I hit it really hard. Unfortunately, it was just right to where, where a defender was. But the, but the same thing with, with sales and the same thing in life, whether it's relationships, whether it's your mental perspective is putting your, putting your eyes in front of a book. It's not going to automatically, boom, now I know everything about that subject or now my confidence is a level 10. But what are those little things you can control? I can approach this meeting better. I can recap this, this missed sales opportunity. So yes, I didn't get it, but my confidence is a little bit higher because now I looked at maybe one or two areas I could have improved on or one or two things, if I'm in a similar situation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow that and I'm going to follow that, that realm down, down in the future. But I think it's also the idea that being confident is, is very different than being cocky. And I think a lot of people you know, confuse the two of them. And I think confidence, confidence is something that you instill in yourself through the proper maintenance along the way. If you're reading the right books, if you're preparing, if you're going to bed on time, you know, in a sports position or a sports field, it's eating the right foods, you know, getting the proper rest, working out in the gym. And I, and I think if we all looked at it and reverse engineered into those little things we could do on a daily basis, I talk often about 1% better. If you make that 1% improvement, fast forward a month, two months, three months, it's going to be 10, 15, 20, you know, percentage points or, or improvements but it's only done with one here, one there. And if you compound that, your confidence should increase because you put in the effort. 
Absolutely. You know, and I, I actually had a incredible conversation yesterday with um, Tyson Durfee, who's a world champion calf roper. And he talked about that, the practice and the things he did. And he always was looking to do that better every day. And his confidence grew just from the fact that he says, I know no one's done what I've done. I know no one's put in the work and, you know, I'm not going to be perfect every time, but I know that I deserve this because I've put in the grind. You know, you you touched on something just to interject for a second is talking about giving yourself an advantage. And we talk often about the positive mental advantage, the PMA, but the one thing going back to controlling the controllables, I talk about often with sports teams or salespeople is that effort and that hard work. What I mean by that is I can't control what Jeff does this morning. I can't control whether Jeff's going to go to the gym, whether he's going to go to the gym for 20 minutes or for two hours. And even if you're there for two hours, I can't control if you're going to maximize and absolutely put in two hours of work or not. But what I can control is I can control my effort I put in. I can control my hard work. And I know that if you put in that hard work, that you are giving yourself an advantage because you're doing each and every day and and talk about champions in all different levels. They've put in that consistent effort weeks on end. And it's not one day. It's not one good week. It's first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day. And it's those little things that, that just lead to huge differences over time. Yeah. Excellent. So you kind of touched on it with how you build confidence when things are going wrong and whatnot. But talk more about the whole idea of failure. Because fa- failure, you know, we hear it. Failure is the road to success. We hear all these things. But that's easy to talk about till you're actually failing. Failing's hard. You know, it, it's, it's so funny you, you, you preface that question. I have literally had this conversation probably 20 times in, in the last month or two. And to your point, you're spot on is it's easy to talk about. You and I could sit here and say, oh, you know, failure, you learn so much more during failure and failure is the best thing that's ever happened. And then all of a sudden you and I are in the same basketball team and we lose. We're not high-fiving each other on the way back to the locker room saying, oh, no, but Jeff, we're going to learn so much. You know, we failed, but but this is going to be <laughs> awesome. You know, you're being quiet in the car. I'm quiet in the car. You know, maybe we don't even say anything. And we get out and say, all right, I'll see you later. And, you know, we go our, our separate ways. But what I found about failure is the most successful people in all walks of life, Michael Jordan included, back to that story I shared about the commercial, have failed more often than, than other people. The question is, what do you do during those failures? So Super Bowl is coming up and Tom Brady is appearing in his 10th Super Bowl. The thing that people don't realize is Tom Brady is not 10 and 0 in the Super Bowls. Tom Brady has not played 200, 300 football games and he's 200. No, he's lost many games. Tom Brady tore his ACL and his MCL, I believe in the first or second game of the season and missed an entire year. But what happened was he learned during those failures when they lost two Super Bowls to my New York giants, he learned during those those losses. He learned how to mentally put himself in, in that perspective again. And if a season, two seasons from now, he encounters some of those situations, he was ready. But I think most people have to be willing to acknowledge and accept their failures 
But then you have to move forward and take action. And to your point, it's so easy to talk about it. But the hard part is saying, okay, how are we going to learn or how are we going to move on from this? And I think, unfortunately, oftentimes people just go from failure to failure without really analyzing it. And I'm not saying you have to spend, you know, months on months, but if you just go from failure to failure, sometimes you'll miss some of the most important lessons. So it's, it's not only going from failure to failure, but like I've said a couple of times is looking at those potential reoccurrences. Okay. Now I've, I understand this. So if the sales potential opportunity comes about, maybe I'll handle it a little different. If we're down by two touchdowns in the second quarter, here's a strategy we can use. And I, I think that's something that if I could go back to the 20 year old version myself, I, I would probably give myself the advice of just, spend a little bit more time analyzing some of those failures or those losses. So if, and when they come or something similar comes, you'll be better prepared. Excellent. And so tying in with the title of your podcast, you know, I, as you're talking about that to me, it's like, okay, if you don't learn from it and you just go from failure to failure, you're quitting. And, you know, if you've got that no quit attitude, then it means doesn't mean you're not going to fail. It just means you can use that and learn from it. Yeah. And, and, and one of the words that I've been focusing a lot, not only myself, but with my clients is, is the word consistency. And what I've really been focusing on is eliminating that idea of perfection and taking that concept of always winning and always being the best and instead replacing the word consistency. And, and if you lose but you learn, there are so many people that say sometimes it's better off than if you win, because when you win, a lot of the times you don't analyze it. And the other perspective, especially from sports, is when you're winning, you're not spending a lot of time really going through it. You're just going, you know, you're going through the motions and saying, all right, we're going a two-game winning streak, a three-game winning streak. Not that you don't care, not that you don't prepare, but you're not really focusing on the past two or three games because things are going well and, and you're kind of in that state of flow. But the flip side is when you're losing, do you have that ability to internalize some of that and say, okay, how do we really learn from this? And, and what could we do differently? And, and the thing that I say often is success leaves clues, but so does failures. You know, momentum goes both ways. If you've lost four games in a row, you know, think about why the reason is, you know, have you done, a couple of things the same way. Have you, are you repeating certain, certain things? And if so, you know, you lost four games in a row, maybe you, you know, you tweak some of them. The flip side with positive momentum, you've won three or four games in a row. You want to analyze and say, okay, we've, we're playing well. What are those one or two things that we've really done well so we can duplicate them or replicate them moving forward. And I think, again, going back to that success leaves clues, but so does failures. And I think oftentimes we don't probably think about that enough. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. All right. Uh, what I do, uh, what I want you to do is share where our listeners can find you and share again about your podcast, social media, everything website. I appreciate that. So the podcast is titled No Quit Living. You can find that, as I said, anywhere you listen to podcasts. The website is noquitliving.com. We're most active on Instagram. It's no underscore quit underscore living. And I give out my personal email address all the time. I love connecting with, with people. That's how, 
you and I connected from, from a common friend we have, and it's Chris at noquitliving.com. And I just love connecting with people because what I've realized is that we all have our, our no quit story and we've all gotten knocked down. And I want to learn from people and I want to connect with people, how they got up, why they got up, but what led them to become back, come back as a better, stronger, or more intellectual version of themselves. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate everything you've shared and I know my listeners are going to appreciate it and they can reach out to you and go from there. But thank I you. Appreciate it. Thank you again. 